What up, Long Beach? As always, as we've been saying for the last few weeks, hope you and yours are healthy and happy. We're back with another episode of the LB Fee Show. As always, this bi-weekly conversation about Long Beach State Athletics is hosted by the562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler, and also on this Zoom call, he's Mike Garabasia. What's going on, everybody? This is how the world works now. This is like, I think I, I, I should schedule a Zoom appointment with Char and just like uh, talk to my wife via Zoom too, I guess. I don't know. We're getting used to it. I'm not happy about it. Uh, the LVF show still coming to you from quarantine every two weeks. Uh, and as always, we are joined by Long Beach State Athletic Director Andy Fee, also via Zoom. Andy, welcome to the show. Hello, gentlemen. I hope everybody is uh, doing as well as they can during the quarantine and uh, looking forward to our discussion today. That's yes. good, Andy. I've been waiting to hear somebody sum up the colloquial greeting. I hope you're doing as well as you can. I'm taking that. I'm using it. Um, how are you holding up is the new high. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> and I'm doing as well as I can is the answer. It's, it's the perfect answer. Uh, we will be joined a little bit later on by Long Beach State men's volleyball coach Alan Knight for a, a really interesting interview about a team that across all of America is in kind of an interesting position uh, that will now be going into next year as the still the two-time defending NCAA champions. Um, so great talk with Alan coming up. Definitely stay tuned for that. But, uh, but Andy, we've got some, some, some news. It doesn't feel like there should be news. We've got some real subjects to talk to you about as well. Yeah, that, that men's volleyball team is not the only one um, scratching their heads and, and crossing their fingers this week because last week we got breaking news from the NCAA committee. The Basically, five NCAA Power Conference commissioners asked the NCAA if they could cut non-revenue sports in order to afford Revenue sports. When I say non-revenue sports, that means water polo, volleyball, tennis, things like that. Revenue sports, obviously, are your footballs and your basketballs. That's a very quick summation of a very, very difficult situation. But, Andy, obviously on the front lines as a mid-major, you guys uh, responded quickly and sent out a unified message to not only your fans in the city, but also your coaches and your students that cutting sports is not what you're in the business for. For sure. You know, saving our sports, again, I'll repeat it, is, uh, is a mantra that, that we're going to hope uh, to continue here at Long Beach State. Um, you know, you use the phrase non-revenue sports, and, and I use them as well, but um, that's really the fabric of who we are. And what I mean by that is that's what's important to us. Um, certainly basketball, as you mentioned, is, is, is more the revenue side of things, but um, we are encompassed by um, those Olympic sports. And so the concept of of cutting one of those sports um, is, is literally the, the last resort. And um, I, I guess in some ways you could eventually end up there somehow, some way, but we would never, you know, proactively say, well, we just want to save money. So, you know, let's cut the X program. Um, that's not really what I think we're about. That's not what this campus and community is about. And uh, we will avoid that um, forever long, um, we, we can from, from here to eternity, I would hope. But uh, so it was good news um, in terms of what the NCAA came back with because frankly, I was worried um, that, that they would approve that waiver. So in, uh, in some ways financially, you know, across the country creates some, some economic hardship for athletic directors. But um, I think it's still um, a worthy cause to, to have these sports and certainly the sports that we have here at Long Beach State. 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned economic hardship, and it's of course like the whole point of it is that it, it all costs money, right? I mean, it would you'd save a lot of money by cutting all college sports, <laughs> right? But that's obviously not the way that uh, you know any of us want anything to be structured. Um, what did you think? I mean, you, we've talked on this show several times about sort of the division between the increasing division between those Power Five conferences and um, and you know the mid-major schools and conferences like the Big West and Long Beach State, which to my mind are much more aligned with the sort of traditional values of uh, college sports and you know amateur athletics. W were you surprised to see that kind of a proposal come out of the Power Five? Or has that sort of been in your head that like, hey, these guys are gonna look to do whatever they can do to make sure they don't have to ask their offensive coordinators to take a, you know, a pay cut <laughs> on the football field or whatever. Yeah. You know, and certainly it's always easier when you're not in the, in that scenario of uh, maybe being a BCS athletic director, but um, you know, ultimately at that level, it really, it is such dollars and cents and you get to look at what your revenue streams are. And then you look at your expense streams and, um, you start to make, you know, decisions based upon, well, how do I support the revenue streams coming in? I don't want to harm our money makers. So do I invest more into those? And ultimately, does that come at the cost of those that are um, an expense side? Uh, so I, I don't know if I'm particularly surprised, um, nor do I sit here and blame athletic directors across the country and, and those, you know, those folks in those shoes. But um, I do think, you know, I, I, change is the only constant, but I do think stability is um, a very good thing. And we've had stability within college athletics and, and some of it not always good, but I think at least in the, the sports offered, we, we've held on to a lot of sports that maybe in some worlds they would just go, that's not a moneymaker. Why, why would we do that? But that's why I believe in what is collegiate sports and amateur sports is that it's not simply a dollars and cents decision. You know, as Mike said, it's, everything at some point you can sit there and point to and say, well, that's a cost savings. But, um, you know, I am, you know, buoyed by the, the fact that uh, moving forward, we don't have uh, this looming uh, weight over our head in terms of now everyone's going to start cutting sports. So, right. um, you know, it's a good thing. It's a good, it's a good day in, in terms of college athletics, in my opinion. Um, Andy, how challenging is it generally just, you know, being in the position you are leading as large of a department as Long Beach State has where the, there's just so much uncertainty right now, just in the 10 minutes that we've been recording this podcast, I just got uh, text messages from about 15 people saying that apparently while we're recording, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom has just suggested that he thinks public schools in California, and I don't know if this is referring to uh, universities as well, is just going to start in July um, in order to move things forward ahead of the potential second wave of a, of a COVID, right? Like timestamp it, timestamp yeah, it. Timestamp, excuse me, 12.30 PM Tuesday. This is what JJ and I are doing to make sure that we're not giving out outdated information, but, I, but it's just, <laughs> things are like that, right? I mean, every half hour you can get some completely paradigm changing piece of information. So how do you, you know, how do you do that? How do you talk to people when you have to start every response to their questions with, well, obviously we don't have all the details or, you know, or, or whatever. You know, it's an interesting concept. And I was thinking about this and talking with someone the other day in terms of what it is to be a leader. Uh, typically a leader is someone uh, or a manager, someone that, that, that provides specifics, direction, tasks, objectives, things of those, those natures. People come to those folks 
asking questions and, and hopefully walk away with answers. And we're in a time where um, it's difficult. And in my role, you want to provide answers. You want to provide direction and objectives, um, but, but we can't right now. And that's a really foreign subject, I think, uh, in terms of what we typically face as a leader or a manager. You may not have all the answers many times, but, but you have some at the very least. And right now there is just things change by the minute. I mean, I hadn't heard that, but I'm not shocked. I mean, I'm, you know, maybe- It literally happened while we were recording. 2019, <laughs> he would have been, you know, picking himself off the floor, but you know, 2020, Andy's rolling with the punches right now. So, <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, I, I make light of it, but, uh, but it is a challenge because all of us, uh, we all report to somebody and uh, we, we want to know where we stand or where things stand. And, uh, I think what, what I've had to do um, more intentionally is be a calming influence of, you know, it's okay right now to not know in some respects in our, in our normal daily lives and, and maybe our professional lives that we may not have the answer. And, you know, maybe a year ago, we would know exactly what we were going to be doing on July 14th. Uh, the coach would be out recruiting in Texas or something. Well, today we don't have that ability and uh, it is... I guess getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is the best way I would describe it. And certainly we're working to get answers as quickly as we can. And we'll have more as, as we get a little bit closer to summer getting here. But I think um, it's trying to assuage you know, fears and stress um, as much as possible. Certainly I can't take that all away, but I think trying to be a common influence for whatever that's worth is something I've been trying to work on. Although there was the good news of uh, the council deciding to not temporarily waive that, that blanket waiver that the Power Five conferences were asking for, not out of the woods yet. There's definitely more decisions coming from the NCAA council. They're talking about possibly taking away the number of games or the minimum number of games in a season. And they also said something interesting that that minimum number of games or sports would be handled on a case-by-case -case basis. Andy, does that mean that two teams in the same conference could have a different amount of sports, different amount of scholarships. Like, what do you think the next step there is for the NCAA to make sure that there's a level playing field going forward? Yeah, I think you've got to maintain that balance as much as possible. So, you know, to drill down to our world of the, the Big West, it would be difficult if suddenly one of the schools said, well, we're not going to offer sport Y and everybody else did. So how does that affect the schedule? How does that, you know, the implications on postseason? And, you know, now you're down a team. If it's an imbalanced schedule, is it fair that so-and-so didn't play this one, but had to play that one? Um, so I, I think really, and this is a discussion that, that I had with President Conley yesterday is, is starting at that, that, those higher levels, even above my head. Um, that's the presidential level, that's the, the NCAA council um, about what does it look like now? I know they've said case by case, but you know, whether that's sport by sport, you just wanna have uniformity as best you can. So if we're gonna say everybody plays nine football games and everybody plays nine football games, even if I could play 10, you know, or, or you know, schools are, are gonna have to do that. Um, there is such a wide um, spectrum within Division One. even. You know, obviously we always talk about the have and have nots from, from the BCS football schools down to the, the lowest of, of, of mid-majors, so to speak. Um, and everybody's kind of uh, in a different boat, but um, if we're gonna ultimately have championships across sports, uh, you want those championships to mean something and to mean as though you've gotten the best 
that you can, and it's as fair as possible that you want to say, hey, in 2020, you know, fall of 2020, we had the cross country championships and it was equitable, as equitable as can be, rather than you said, oh, well, you know, there were only 15 schools there. So, you know, Portland wasn't there and they would have had that really good runner this year. And I think she would have won the championship. So I think from, from a 70,000 foot um, view, the conversations need to be had at the executive level with coaches, uh, and other administrators, and certainly some input from student athletes. So uh, I have an article on the website right now, 562.org, about this story. And within there, I asked you a little bit about the number of seniors trying to come back, take advantage of that uh, eligibility relief the NCAA is giving spring student athletes. How's that going? Do you have an update on that? Yeah, so we've, uh, we've made some, some significant progress. Uh, we've had some, some folks who, unbelievable, in, in a time of you know, uncertainty that we're, we're talking about who stepped up with, uh, with private dollars and, and offered to, to cover costs for those seniors. Uh, that's an amazing thing that, uh, you know, as I sit here and I look at what, what I'm facing from a professional standpoint of just trying to manage all this, that, that there are people out there who continue to go above and beyond and support beach athletics in this community. And not just us, it's across youth sports and the high schools and the elementary schools everywhere that, that people are, are, are really um, doing more for others. So I would say we've made significant progress. I don't think we're all the way there to, to cover all um, 30 per se right now today, but we've made significant progress. Um, I think we're probably at least 35% of the way there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're continuing to hurl down that track. So um, good news to report that they, we are making progress to hopefully give those seniors who do want to come back those senior, seas so senior seasons. Well, perfect segue into the day of giving coming up on May 5th, because as Andy said, it's going to take all of us to make the things that we really care about survive through this. The day of giving obviously includes schools and everything else as well. Andy, are you guys doing anything? Yeah, so uh, Camden Stockton with our uh, fundraising unit is, is done an amazing job setting up a, a day that I think people will find um, to be interactive, uh, exciting, uh, you know, this, this, this Zoom world where uh, we're doing things from, uh, from afar that we can't sit in the same room together and, and celebrate raising money, which is always a joy, obviously, to be around others, right, helping others. So um, this is going to be a way that people can participate. It's going to tease it a little bit. It's going to be a rollout that is intended to be that. It is intended to, to pique people's interest and keep them a little bit of wondering what exactly it's going to be. But what I can tell you what it's really about is raising dollars for students. And that is ultimately, as we were just talking about, putting money um, towards those seniors and others who want to uh, come here to, to play for championships and, and also compete for uh, those degrees in the classroom. So uh, be on the lookout, LB Nation. You'll, you'll be hearing more about it in uh, the upcoming days. Speaking of the community and giving back, obviously we've got to shout out Naples Rib Company. I feel like every week I go get Naples, it just feels like normal. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's a lot of people out there feeling that and they helped you guys out as well. Yeah, so, so Dave Ursini, um, you know, Naples Rib Company is, is unbelievable. And I mean that just in general and historically to us, uh, they've been one of our largest supporters and, and corporate partners and, and Dave personally, he and his wife um, have given so much to the university and the athletics department. And again, in a time where as a small business owner, you know, the challenges that he faces what does he do? You know, he offers to take care of our coaches and staff and, and have people come uh, for pickup to go. 
uh, to come by and grab dinner. And as you said, um, one of the great things is we get to be around Dave and, and Naples Rib Company all the time. So as you said, the norm is I'm used to it. I'm used to having Naples Rib Company uh, you know, throughout the year. And uh, in, in, in a weird way, people might chuckle. It, it actually is comforting. It's comfort food. And uh, we, couldn't, uh, we couldn't be more thankful for what Dave and, and so many other small business owners across the city are doing for us right now. Uh, it means a lot. We, we know the sacrifices that they're all going through and for them to continue to think about us is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And uh, really, you know, I'm very grateful. We feel the exact same way because Naples Rib Company is also a sponsor at the562.org where right now you can find all of the coverage that we're providing, not just for the sports teams, but for the schools here in Long Beach. We've got our daily newsletter, the videos. We're doing 562 Classics. Last week, we threw it back to the Drew Goodman All-Star Game that took over Walter Pyramid in 2011. That's a really fun one, so check that out. Recaps, photos, the Twitter updates. We're just trying to interact with the community. And if you're like us, You've been pining for that a lot lately. We are now welcoming on our special guest to this episode of the LBP show, Alan Knight, longtime coach of the men's volleyball team uh, at Long Beach State. Alan, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, how much fun are we all having doing Zoom podcasts right now? <laughs> you know, for me, who's not an overly techie person, it was kind of cool to conquer something as, you know, as difficult as Zoom at the uh, beginning of this thing, but I'm, 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 I'm over it. Technical skills are one of the things you can control. That, that has to, you've got to add that to your list of things that, that have to be controlled for, Alan. That's right. <laughs> I, think, I think all the coaches are looking forward to, to staff meetings. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, not overly techie sounds like a, a way you would judge a recruit. Like, he's got a good first step, not overly techie. Got a, he's got a good personality. Right. <laughs> Um, so, you know, uh, first and foremost, obviously, um, men's volleyball got uh, more national attention from sports media than it has uh, in a while, I feel like, over the, the hashtag Save Our Sports um, mm -hmm. movement. And, and, you know, there was the discussion at the NCAA level about lowering the uh, number of sports required for Division I membership from 16 to 12. Um, I think you and John Spira and a lot of the other guys in the AVCA kind of felt like men's volleyball was maybe one of the sports sort of specifically being targeted by that move. Um, what are you feeling about the NCAA sort of moved to say, okay, we're not going to do that. Um, what are you feeling about that? And, and do you feel like this is sort of the first battle in a longer conflict or, or are you feeling like you guys are sort of over the hump and, and breathing a little easier? Yeah, I, I really don't think that it's a, it's a one-time thing. I, I think this, until there's some, what our new normal is going to look like, I think there's going to be discussions about all sorts of options for people. What I didn't like about the the whole request of the NCA to reduce the number was it just, uh, it just seems like a real easy way out. Let's just reduce this number and let, um, you know, let the ADs just kind of go about their business and keep a couple of sports or a couple of people not from hurting in this and just cut everybody else that maybe they're not interested in too much. So, I mean, and specifically what you're talking about there, we don't need to talk about specific schools, but what you're saying is you felt like in order to protect the maybe inflated salary of a, an offensive or defensive coordinator in the SEC, where those guys are the third or fourth highest paid public employee in the state, 
um, they were just going to lop off whole Olympic sports like men's mm-hmm. volleyball or water polo just to sort of keep the status quo in, in football or, or something. Yeah, certainly that's, you know, that's a, that's a view a lot of people did have. And, you know, as I got a message from, you know, the ABCA asking, you know, jump on board, quickly do a video as the former USA coach and current coach. And I obviously have no problem doing that. It's, it, it's sad that we have to protect our Olympic sports. I'm not a hundred percent sure what people think the landscape would look like at the Olympic games. Should we only focus on maybe non-Olympic sports? I mean, it's uh, we don't have a whole lot of funding and we're not a, you know, government funded Olympic program. So I'm not sure where they think this is going to come from because it's even with the funding the, the USOC does get and all the help we get from lots of people and lots of great sponsors, it really comes down to the training they get in the NCAA is what most Olympic athletes are going to uh, use when they get to the Olympic platforms. Coach, I cannot even imagine what it would be like to be a student athlete and hear this news with all the questions that are already left unanswered. Now they have this to deal with. Did yeah. you communicate with your team when that news broke last week? And, and what'd you tell them? Yeah, absolutely. I, I gave them a heads up that I made a video and it was going to probably be out that day. I wanted to explain to them, um, you know, that it was something as we were trying to get out in front of it and that we're going to probably have some other situations that pop up like this. I wanted to be honest. I also wanted to let them know that it wasn't necessarily just a, a men's volleyball issue. It was lots and lots of sports lumped into this thing. However, um, we were going to we were going to run with this a little bit from the AVCA and because of my situation. Um, of you know my history of coaching that I was going to get in front of it but that didn't mean that Long Beach State necessarily I was concerned that Long Beach State was dropping so they needed to hear all the reasons and you know we're pretty honest and transparent with our guys when we meet all the time we meet have a regular schedule of meeting so they've heard some good and they've heard my thoughts and they've also heard some things to brace for and they were pretty good with it they had a couple um, of questions but not nearly as many as I thought you know, yeah, for the listeners of this show and fans of yours and your teams, um, can you give us an update from that? I mean, I, I know when we talked and when JJ and I spoke with Andy, um, you know, it sounds like certainly that's not something, uh, reducing sports, not something they're looking at at Long Beach State yet. But um, how good do you feel about where you guys are with the university? And, um, and how helpful is it that the Big West added this sport so you have a full conference as opposed to the MEVA or the MPSF or some of the other kind of uh, patchwork alliances? Yeah, I mean, I think it gives you uh, it, it gives you a small sense of security in the sense that uh, Big West is sponsored. It's part of the Big West Constitution now, so we cannot be dropped um, in the Big West, which is great because, you know, for years we had uh, we had that hanging over our head if things got a little bit rough or you know you read at the bottom of your contract this contract's good as long as we have men's volleyball. You know, it's like that doesn't make you feel sure. Great. <laughs> yeah, you're still, uh, like yeah. working at a newspaper, Alan. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, the good thing is we do have that protection. However, um, it's not like there's the Big West that has um, men's volleyball and they're protecting theirs. And there's five other comp- national conferences around the country that are protecting them. We're the only one that has that. So we got to look out for all the, the conferences that don't. I don't think at this point, and obviously this would be a really a, a question for those other coaches, that um, some of the schools in the MPSF are looking into dropping. That's not what we're hearing. Right. Um, I will say of all of the outcomes of the pandemic, I would never have expected uh, 
USC and UCLA are, are looking to Long Beach State as the bastion of stability and, <laughs> and safety, you know what I mean, uh, in terms yep. of uh, uh, the, the livelihood of a sport. That, that's definitely a weird sentiment to hear. Yeah, that, that is. And then, you know, the one other thing that you did ask about was, um, you know, the messaging that I'm getting from the university and Andy and President Conley about, uh, you know, sports in general. Uh, I just think they're, they've, they've been wonderful as far as their leadership and the way they've handled it. Obviously, you, we all get to read all the time about how different people are handling it and different universities are handling it. Um, I like their, their approach has been real positive. We're 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 setting up for in person in the fall. We're uh, we're not planning on dropping sports and firing people, and that doesn't mean there won't be adjustments behind the scenes to obviously to budgets and to salaries and positions and things that I don't even probably know their list, but I know their intent is very very good of what they're trying to accomplish here. Now things could change as we move along, but uh, I think their messaging has been great. So you said a second ago that you were talking to your players. How's that going? Are you guys doing full team Zoom meetings? Are you giving them workouts to do? Or are you kind of letting them govern themselves? Yeah, they have a workout that they got prior to uh, us getting uh, shut down. I, I think Laura Teal does such a wonderful job. And Jackson in our strength conditioning area, they were really prepared for this. They've been getting updates and there's some things they can follow that's voluntary as far as mobility and stretching and all sorts of stuff that Laura's doing with them. It's great. Um, we've had our nutritionists on about, you know, going from three hour practices a day to no practices. What does that mean for calorie intake and, and uh, what the type of food they could be eating? And then, um, you know, some volleyball workout stuff. And we've been doing some of our culture work. So um, we've been presenting some books they've been reading and maybe podcasts or uh, movies that they're watching that they uh, they take that and tweak it into how it works for men's volleyball and how it will apply into our retreat as we build our handbook for next year so uh, you know we, we, we try to stay as connect as far as part as we are we try to stay as connected as we can and we're a pretty tight group so it's been great we have another one today we had one on Thursday uh, it's been fun. The guys are doing a good job. There's no doubt we'd much rather be in the gym right now preparing for the championship since that's would be in between the Big West tournament and the NCAA tournament right now. Um, certainly would have liked to see what this team could do as far as defending our back-to-back -back and not have it taken away by uh, something completely out of everyone's control. Coach, I, I don't want to pile on here, but my family lives about five minutes away from the George Mason campus. So yeah, we had, we had some plans. <laughs> yeah, I feel really, really bad for Jay and, and all the great people that uh, Ron Scheika and all the guys at George Mason, they're just, they're doing such a good job with that program and they're so into volleyball. And it's, it's a unique place for me too. My very first year at Long Beach State as a player, we played in the final four at George Mason. So oh, wow. uh, it's been a long time since I've been back there for a final four and was looking forward to it. I just hope that obviously they're losing their final four we can't just reschedule because there's another place next year unless they just push everything back. And, but I, I just hope that they get, you know, the very next cycle that comes back, they get, they get put in that list right away again. Yeah. Um, what would you, what would you do? Would you reset the schedule or were you, if you were, yeah. you know, the czar of volleyball, would you reset it or would you give a new one? I don't think you can reset the schedule um, because there's too many, there's too many fine parts about it that it's just not easy to say, Hey, everyone take your schedule and redo it. But what I do think is, um, yeah, and just, it's not, just, it's just, just really quick to, sure. to jump in, just jump in there. Something you've pointed out is 
the schedules always revolve around all of the teams that think they're going to play in the final four, trying to get a preview right. of that venue. So I, I, if I'm reading what you're saying correctly, it's if you push everything back by a year, then everyone's schedule screwed up because everyone's right. trying to get to next year's final four venue in 2021 ahead of time. Right you'd have to redo every team schedule to make that make sense yeah. too. Right? The, the, that's true. There are some of those. And then there will be some of the facts that if not all the other sports work, you know, with you the same as they did this year, because we have to deal with the men's and women's basketball seasons also in our arenas. So there's a lot to, to, to factor. So what my guess is that, um, and I can't speak for other conferences, but I know for the big West, we have two options. We they're either going to, we, we have a, three-year out schedule rotating everyone's playing everybody so it's it's not a big deal so we either go straight into what the 2001 schedule would be which is what most people say what's the difference you play everybody home and away anyway but that's not necessarily true because you don't always go to hawaii every year i was about to say so, the difference is hawaii <laughs> yeah so big, the big thing for the big west is um well do we do we repeat the 2000 the 2020 season in the 21 year to get everybody where they where they should have been in Hawaii, or do we just roll into 2021? I'm sure some people will say, let's not do that. And I'm sure Hawaii would like to have certain teams at their place and uh, and not have to come to the, the pyramid. Um, but uh, that's, that's okay. I, I, I'm totally fine with rolling the big West schedule over and then leaving the non-conference schedule up to the coaches. Um, you, uh, you, you just mentioned some of the issues with the scheduling and everything. The other major issue caused by this obviously is roster, di roster disruptions from seniors that, you know, I mean, I, I know you guys aren't allowed to talk about it, um, publicly or whatever, but I know you have a board and Nick, you know, Nick's got a board where you could tell me what 2025 is supposed to look like in the pyramid. Right. Yeah. So you throw a full year disruption where potentially, um, in a most extreme example, every senior in America in a spring sport could come back. And you're talking about yeah. a pretty big disruption that will have, you know, several years long ramifications. Um, you guys were uniquely situated where you only had one senior on the team. And, um, and I know that he's already got career plans, so he's sort of going to move on. Yep. What are you hearing, the, you know, ar around the country? I know uh, Off the Block just had a story that all the Santa Barbara seniors are coming back. What, what, are you, what are you hearing about? I mean, do you think there'll be most of the seniors back or, or do you think it'll be a 50-50 or, or what are you hearing? Yeah, I think unfortunately as this plays out, it sounded really good when the NCAA jumped out and was first with their, their messaging. But as when it turns into actually implementing this at each campus and the fact that you're, when you really know what your budget's going to look like next year and now you lump on a whole bunch of new scholarships and I just think that every university will do it slightly different depending on what they can afford. And as of, you know, the, what's really unfortunate right now is that the only, the probably, I shouldn't say only, but the, the vast majority of the kids that will get this opportunity will be kids who were starting in your program or already had a lot of opportunities in your program. Those guys will get that opportunity at what cost, because it's, the NCA talks about the roster exemption, which doesn't really matter in men's volleyball. It matters a lot in baseball, but the equivalency doesn't matter next year in men's volleyball. So we can go from 4.5 to 6.0, whatever the deal is to make it work. Well, the problem isn't next year. The problem is um, what happens down the line with all these kids that have been affected by it that are sophomores, juniors, freshmen, whatever, when you have to stay within 4.5. So you're now reducing people's scholarships or telling freshmen not to come 
or whatever it might be, there's going to be a fallout down the road. And that's where it will affect us, if it affects us, is that it doesn't affect us next year because we have no seniors. But the very next year when we get into this with the, the into recruiting, I'm sorry, into the scholarships, we have to be within 4.5. So it's not like you can just keep everybody for the fifth year. Either that, either you're backing out of your word with them or you're backing out of their word with guys already in the program or backing out of guys that you already recruited since we already have juniors that have committed. Well, you know, we have two classes already committed to come to Long Beach State that none of them have spent a day on our campus yet. So it's, I don't want to go back on my word with them either. Right. So it's a case-by-case, player-by-player, program-by-program. Yeah, I mean, the, the issue is you guys are the terminus. Like, there's a pipeline of volleyball players, which, you know, in, in covering TJ and Josh and some of the guys in your program, starts when they're like four years old. Um, but it's all pointed at their senior year in, in the NCAA. And so unless you go back, and, and you made this point we were talking uh, the, the last time, unless you go back and say everyone's redoing their U6 year with their club, there is no way to fix this, right? It's going to be unfair to some group of people um, or to all people for a long time. And, but the burden is entirely on you guys, right? I mean, it's entirely on sort of the NCAA coaches for yeah, the sport. Yeah, the NCAA gave it right to us. They handed it off to us. Yeah, that's right. nice. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. They handed it off to us as coaches, but in reality, they handed it off guys like Andy Fee that will you do this for your coaches than for, you know, and the presidents. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. The, the, probably the group I feel the worst for is high school seniors. Because they lost their year in high school, they're not getting that back. Plus, they now enter they enter their college programs with five years of athletes shoved into a four-year window, and they're a freshman in that program. And I just think that's unfortunate for them. But then there's no way with every turn, every time you try to fix it, then there's a new group that's going to be affected even more so. So it's difficult, and I, and I feel for everybody in this. Believe me, as we said the last time we spoke, um, I, we're very fortunate this year that we only have one senior. He's already planning. He wasn't going to come back, so it's not going to be an issue for us. But I still feel terrible for Gary lost his senior season. Right. The other side of that is to go back a year and to lose, you know, our experience and lose the final four at the pyramid and have Josh, TJ, and Kyle, and Nick, and Jordan, and all those guys, Louie, in their senior year, and then they lose that. Um, we'd be looking for everything we could find under every rock in Long Beach to try to find a way to squeeze it out to get all those guys back. Right. Yeah. And I, I think you you made a good point about that. We wanted to ask you about sort of that horror what if scenario, right? I I mean, timing wise, you feel horrible for George Mason. And yet I'm sure you're also thinking, you know, if this had happened 12 months earlier, um, you know, JJ and I, we know in terms of journalism, we work in the sandbox, right? The worst thing that can happen in sports is objectively just fine, in, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of life and the stories that can happen to human beings. Um, but that would really have been an almost legitimate tragedy, right? I mean, you guys, <laughs> you guys, it was like five years of the, of the volleyball heavens aligning for that season that you guys had last year. Yeah. And I, I definitely, once everything got canceled, it was actually one of the first things I thought was like, oh my God, what if this had been last year? And then realizing, of course, you know, what you guys had last year was supposed to be someone else's this year, right? That everything fell into place for them. So I I don't know. Did did you think about that? Did you sort of feel a bullet whizzing by your head and, you know, just being grateful that you you are where you are? Yeah, I I certainly did. You know, obviously it didn't hit me immediately, but after you start digesting a little bit and you start to see what everyone's going through and, um, 
you realize not only, I mean, the easy one is for the program sake, you know, our, our team losing that opportunity thing, but do you know how special it was for the people of Long Beach who may, maybe would never have traveled outside of Long Beach or maybe couldn't have to experience their hometown team win a national championship in their hometown. Um, that's why I still think it, it'll always be one of the real special championships of all time, just because we were able to win a national title in our own community, in our own building. So, so many people got to experience things, even if they weren't lifelong Long Beach State volleyball fans, they got to experience a, a national championship, you know, at their hometown. And we would have lost all of those experiences, not just the, the athletic ones for our own guys and our own team. Uh, Coach, you were talking about those high school seniors, and you're absolutely right. That, that That's where my heart breaks the most. But you're in a unique situation because you've, you're bringing in, uh, again, a, an incredible recruiting class, best in the country this year. So you didn't get off the recruiting trail. Do you think that makes your job next year easier that you've got these guys who are going to come in and be really good and basically get their time on the floor that you don't have to convince anybody that they're really good, that they're going to come in and they deserve to play? Yeah, you know, it certainly makes your job easier when you have talent in the gym. I, you know, um, we, we're fortunate enough to be kind of in a situation right now where I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everybody that we talk to says they, uh, yes, yes, yes. We got, we have our battles. We have a tough battle for everybody, but we get told yes at a, a, at a higher rate than uh, we ever have. And I, I would hope so. I would hope that's what the benefit of a lot of things <laughs> that we put in. But really, besides the winning, it's, uh, I really think the culture um, is something really special. I think that's probably what I was super proud of what Clark Godbold, who is the top recruit in the country, was able to say is that, um, uh, you know, they asked why Long Beach State? And he just said, uh, after the visits to Long Beach State, um, there's just something great going on there. There's too much good to, to miss. And uh, I really appreciate him saying that because that's not just the Nexus and O's volleyball thing. That's a culture thing. That's an athletic department thing. That's, a, that's the, the guys that were chosen for years ahead of him thing. That's our alumni. And uh, he's a very astute kid to pick up on that. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably close with this. But, you know, JJ just mentioned you guys have the top recruiting class. You've got the top recruit in the country. Um, historically speaking, that has worked out really well for you guys when, uh, when you've done that. Um, how excited are, are you? You guys ended the season this year at nine and one, ranked number four in the country. And this was supposed to kind of be the bridge year between um, the great recruiting class you guys had that graduated last year and this class that everyone knew was coming in this year. And the bridge year was pretty freaking good at nine and one and ranked number four in the country. How just excited are you to get back to whatever the new, the new normal is, but how excited are you just to get back out and, and get to be in a gym and, and to put this team together and, and play next season? Yeah, you know, I, I'm really excited for a lot of the guys that got their opportunities this year. We had so many guys step up and do such a good job. If you look at the year, you know, Spencer had or Shane Holdaway had, and we moved Simone out of his natural position to the right, and Carlos Rivera had a great year. Mason Briggs jumps on the scene and shows everyone he's as good as build. And, uh, you know, I, I was super excited to see them build that. Now we get to, we had a very small team in the start of numbers this year. So we'll add all these talented kids. And the thing that we're going to not have to deal with within our own culture that a lot of teams are going to have to, even though you it's great to bring back talent and seniors that get to redo it. When your gym swells in numbers and you have seven deep, you're also going to have a lot of un, unhappy 
players in positions and that's a challenge for cultures and gyms and I'm glad that won't be the case because we're not dealing with any of that situation next year number wise will look exactly like it looked like on our board and uh, for that I guess that's the one of the silver linings out of this situation absolutely great stuff coach we appreciate you taking the time uh enjoy the time with the family and hopefully we'll hang out soon awesome guys thank you very much for having me you guys all take care our thanks to Alan Knight for joining us. Uh, always a great interview. Uh, one of uh, certainly one of the most insightful uh, coaches that uh, you'll get to talk to covering Long Beach State. Um, so we thank him for joining us. And uh, and now we're, we're going to give a very special quarantine edition of the uh, LBT show uh, recommends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every other week we give uh, LB Nation something to check out. Usually not sports related, but we're gonna bend the rules this week. Andy, and what do you got? What have you been doing lately? Well, uh, you know, in the in the and I guess the weird free time, as I'll call it, that I have, um, I uh, I'm a runner, so I love to run, and uh, which is a great escape. Um, obviously, literally from the house in a small way, and from our house, I usually run down to. To Rosie's Dog Beach and, and back. It's about six miles or so, but it, uh, it's given me time to reflect. And I was talking with uh, Bruce Double D Macray late last night. And on my way back, I was just thinking about what we were just talking about is, is being around one another. And uh, we, we had the opportunity, I know you guys, um, to do a, a car parade for, uh, for Marilyn Bowl and Arlene Walter on their shared birthday as twins over the weekend. And um, even seeing people in a parking lot um, through social distancing, you know, following the rules of not being able to go up and give people hugs or shake hands, but just to see each other. Um, I guess I've just been thinking a lot about, you know, what's important. And I know that may sound cliche and corny and maybe, you know, to be expected in a time like this, but uh, it really has made me appreciate how lucky, you know, I am personally. Um, and I know we all are for, for what we do have. And, and, you know, a lot of times we think about the things we don't have and we're all guilty of that myself included, but, you know, it's given me pause to be thankful for certainly for what I do have. So, you know, that's kind of just what I'd like to share. Absolutely. Amen. Mike, I have a feeling we're going to say the same thing as our recommendation because you and I have been uh, hip deep in this last dance documentary on ESPN about the nineties bulls, a team that you and I, I mean, we grew up with, so we know what's going to happen. But even, even because of that, on a Sunday night, I'm on the edge of my seat, man. I'm, I'm loving this thing. Um, I'm just shocked. It, yeah, I mean, you said it. Like, I turned 14 during that 97, 98 uh, season. And so that was, I mean, we both grew up, I think. I, I know I grew up as a Jordan, Michael Jordan fanatic. I mean, like, you know, please get me the Bulls jacket from Kmart. Um, please. Can I drink Gatorade before I go to bed so that I'll turn more into Michael Jordan while I sleep? Like all that stuff. And what's amazing to me is someone who is sort of growing up in the, the Michael Jordan saturated environment. And for younger listeners, I don't think they can understand how, um, how different that was, right? There was not that celebrity culture around athletes in the same way. I'm just shocked at how much new information there is because I read all the books, you know, I mean, I watched all the games. I've read the Jordan rules and I just did not expect there to be as much new information about Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson and these just huge figures in professional sports um, for the last, you know, 25 years. It's, it's been, it's been incredible to me, the level of detail and, and amount of new stuff they've gotten out of this. And they sat on it 
for 25 years. Like that part, I still can't get over. I can't well, believe somebody was editing that in 2011 and was like, eventually, JJ, eventually you, somebody's going to see this masterpiece. JJ, do you know who was filming it in 1997, 98? Uh, it <laughs> wasn't ABC. No, literally Adam Silver, the current commissioner of the NBA, was at that time the head of NBC, wow. uh, of NBA Entertainment. So he was the he was the person personally who convinced Michael Jordan, let us film this stuff because we'll want it someday and we'll we'll so he struck the arrangement. We'll sit on this until you're comfortable with it going wow. out. So and then I don't know if you know the story. Literally the day of the Cavs uh, coming back from down three one to the Warriors, the day of their victory parade, Michael Jordan called Adam Silver and said, "All right, let's do the documentary." <laughs> wow. I wonder if there's going to be an Adam Silver in the future who was there for that Cavs Warriors series. Hopefully we get a doc so. on that too. You know, you said so a celeb culture, and I wanted to mention this before we wrap it up. I think it's fascinating watching the crowds in the replays of these games. Because if you look at an 80s crowd, maybe you get five jerseys. Yeah. Maybe they're even wearing the color of the team. It was right. so much like people just came off the street, inside, watched the game, went back to their lives. As soon as they zoom forward to, uh, to the 90s, everybody's wearing a jersey. And that celeb right. culture is, is so palpable now that we don't think about it. But I guess it's just another thing you can give Michael Jordan credit for. Yes, among many, many, many other aspects. I mean, including, I, I was thinking about, you mentioned on the 562 Classic, we did that um, Drew Lee Goodman League game with Kevin Durant and James Harden and, um, you know, all those guys in the pyramid. And I was thinking about that. I mean, it's just, even a game like that now seems, and that was only eight years ago, nine years ago, that now seems impossible to imagine those guys opening themselves up to, the public the way they did. I mean, they were walking around on the floor of the pyramid, Kevin Durant with these sort of crowds of people around him. Right. I mean, just since Michael Jordan, like he was sort of obviously the, the introduction of the concept of the athlete as a brand. Right. And that the person's name and their face were valuable. And as pro athletes get more and more valuable, I mean, the Jordan rules you, you saw it in the documentary last Sunday. Uh, and I don't think this will be a spoiler alert for Andy, who I know is saving him. You know, they're talking about the philosophy of the Pistons just trying to beat the crap out of him until he didn't want to play. I mean, literally, you know, John Sally, we wanted to say, is it worth it? Are you willing to get injured to score one basket? And, you know, these guys are all worth so much money now. It'll, that'll never happen again. I'm glad I think basketball is better now than it was in the 90s. But there was a very different feel around all those guys that um, I do lament that a little bit, you know, like when professional athletes were not CEOs, uh, the moment they walked into high school or college or, or certainly the pros. So if you're not watching Last Dance, make sure you get on it. Documentary available, ESPN, ESPN app, all that stuff. Also, last thing, uh, Last Dance, great title. If somebody organically says the name of the thing in the movie or documentary, you've done it. So the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. <laughs> congratulations to everybody who worked on that thing. It's awesome. Uh, congratulations to us for surviving. We made it another uh, and, two weeks. And by, by us, I mean uh, Long Beach Nation. Uh, so for producer Roger, Andy, Alan, everybody else at Long Beach State and the562.org, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, stay inside. Stay healthy, stay happy, hug your loved ones. We will be outside soon. We will be together again. We love you, Long Beach. Take care.